Are you ready? That's the question that our passage asks us today. Are you ready? I wonder if you're the kind of person who likes to prepare long in advance for things. If you've got an essay coming along soon, or I don't know, a big day to plan, uh, or a trip to get ready for, are you somebody who packs and prepares and plans well in advance, or are you a bit more of a last minute person like I am? Um, are you ready? That would be the question that you would want to ask, isn't it? Are you ready? Are you ready to go? Well, you're packing things into your suitcase at the last minute. But then imagine you forgot to check your passport and it's out of date and you weren't ready. However good you are at packing at the last minute, you weren't ready and so you couldn't go on a holiday. Or imagine that you, you had got ready. You prepared that essay, you'd read all the books that you needed to do, everything was done and so you handed it in. No stress at all. When the deadline came, everybody else was sweating, but you were okay. I don't know, I wonder what you're like. Are you the last minute person who's only barely ready? Or are you somebody who likes to prepare in advance? Well, this passage teaches us that we need to be ready, not just for stuff that happens in our life, for big things like holidays or um, pieces of work that need to get in by a certain deadline, but to be ready for Jesus' return. I wonder if that's something you've thought about much before. Jesus is coming back. Um, Christians are, or should be, unashamed supernaturalists. Not ashamed about the supernatural, not ashamed about kind of weird stuff that is out of the ordinary, that we don't expect or see every day. There's good examples of that all over the Bible. And Jesus is basically the big example of that, that he is God walking among us. And we believe that, don't we? I mean, if you're a Christian, you do anyway. We believe that Jesus came once that he was born in a stable. We'll hear that story very soon at Christmas. He was born in a stable or a cave or a barn or something like that anyway. Uh, he was born to suffer, um, to live for us a really difficult life, to be rejected by many and then to die on the cross. We believe that, that Jesus came in humility once. But we also believe, if you're a Christian, that Jesus will come again. Jesus taught that a lot. And the early church taught it and believed it and really rested their whole lives on it. And, um, and people saw it even before Jesus taught it, that Jesus would return as king forever. So I wonder if you believe that. I wonder if it's part of your life. I wonder if it's, if it's the thing that you look forward to most out of anything. Well, this is a story that if that's not true for us, maybe we haven't ever really thought about it. Maybe you don't even believe it at all. Uh, maybe it's not really a big part of your life. Well, this story is Jesus setting us straight, trying to reorientate our, um, the way that we look at life. So we're not just looking back at history. Um, so we're not just thinking about the present or making our plans for the you know, next few weeks or even the next few years. This is Jesus helping us to plan for eternity. So are you ready? There's three things I want us to see from this passage. We're not going to do the whole section that we read. I'm going to leave part of it for you to go and study on your own later on. We're just going to look at the first five or six verses or so. I want you to see three things. There's Jesus' command. He tells us to be ready. There's the reason for the command. <laughs> because he's coming back. And then third, there's an incentive. There's a reason you really, really want to be ready for him returning. And there's a good reason too. 
So let's get into it. First, there's a command. Jesus says, be dressed and ready for service. That's in verse 35, if you're following along. Be dressed and ready for service, keeping your lamps burning. So come on, be ready. Those two pictures there um, are interesting to think about. First is, well, being dressed, ready for service, ready to work. If you're going on a building site, you put on your hard boots, your hard hat, and your, I don't know, overalls, and you get out to the building site. If you're ready to sit down in an office, you put on your suit, or maybe today it's your pajamas, but suit in the top half anyway, get your computer ready, and you're ready. But for these ancient people, um, what they did to get ready for work was pick up their robes and tuck them into their belt. That's a big biblical picture. Some of you, if you have an older translation, it'll say, gird up your loins, which is a bit of a weird, weird phrase. Um, it's because in those days, as they still do in the Middle East today, people, even men, wore long robes that reached all the way down to the ground that were really loose and flowy. Good thing to wear in hot weather. But if you wanted to work hard, if you wanted to run somewhere or, or do some manual labor, you had to pick up that robe, fold it up and tuck it into your belt. So you would gird up your loins, ready to work, ready to do a job. And Jesus says that's what we've got to be like. Ready, dressed, awake, prepared, alert, with some urgency to keep your lamps burning. I mean, in our days of electricity, it's quite an easy thing to just switch on the lights in a house and leave them on. It doesn't take that much effort. But in a house in these days, lamps were not electric. Electricity, obviously, they were oil lamps with wicks. And so it was, it was actually a pretty tough job to keep all the lamps in a big grand house lit to keep them going. You would have to go around checking the oil levels, checking the wicks, trimming the wicks, pulling new wicks out, lighting uh, uh, other lights, checking the oil levels again, and going all the way around the house. It was a constant thing. Don't, don't just switch on the lights and leave them on. You've got to be at work. You've got to have your belt tucked in um, your clothes tucked into your belt, you've got to be out there keeping those lights burning. It's a pretty tough job to be ready, but we need to be ready. These servants needed to be ready because the master was coming back. I wonder what the equivalent would be for us uh, this uh, kind of in our own times. Maybe if you're an office worker, being ready would be having your laptop on, um, having your phone charged up, having your passport in date, ready to go. Maybe you're thinking, when you're thinking of being ready, thinking more of, of waiting for a child to come along. You've got your mother-in-law on standby. You've got your hospital bag packed full of snacks and spare clothes and, I don't know, a book just in case the labour takes a while. You've got all sorts of things ready to go. The nursery's painted and the cot's built. I don't know. Think of a situation where you need to be ready. That's what these men needed to be, do, to, needed to be doing, to be servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. So we've got our command, be ready. We need to be ready. Wonder what it would mean for you to be ready for Jesus. It's not so much about kind of packing your bags or having your laptop switched on. It's more about, more about doing things that please him. I mean, we've been hear, hearing a lot about that over the last couple of weeks, if you've been um, following along with us. Uh, listening to Jesus' words and putting them into action means doing things like selling our belongings and giving to the poor. Being generous. I wonder how you've been doing. If you were here last week and you listened to Sammy's challenge to think of somebody or some cause this week and to invest in it, to give generously, sacrificially to whoever that is, to give to the poor. That's Jesus calling us to be ready to meet him because that's what he's like. 
He causes people to serve and obey, to do good to others, to help, especially the poor and the struggling, because that's what he's like. He's a master who helps the poor and the struggling. He's a God who serves. We'll get to that in a minute. It's just a mind-blowing thing. But first of all, why do we need to be ready? Because he's going to come back and see if we've been working. He's going to come back and see if we've been working faithfully, to see if we've been working with the gifts that he's given. That's the second half of this story is, is all about, the bit that we're not going to have a look at from kind of verse 40, 41 onwards. It's all about servants using the gifts, the things that the master's left in their charge and using those to the master's benefits. He's going to come back and see if we're ready, if we've been working, if we've been keeping the lights on with our clothes tucked into our belts, serving him. And Jesus really is coming back. This is the reason to be ready because he really is coming back. It's something that's been prophesied that people long before Jesus' day saw. The Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Daniel says this, In my vision at night, in a dream, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. Jesus says, calls himself the son of man in our passage. This son of man approached the ancient of days, God the Father, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. You see, people in the past saw Jesus as the king that he is, and when he returns, that'll be what it's like. Every tribe and tongue and nation will bow at his feet. Will you be ready? It wasn't just people before Jesus, but Jesus himself talked about this, not just in our own passage today, but a really famous passage that we often read and think about at funerals. John chapter 14, where Jesus comforts his disciples and says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You see, Jesus taught that he was coming back. And so did the early church. It's all over the letters that you find in the New Testament. Mentioned 318 times. That's about one in every 13 verses that you come across in the New Testament. Mentions Jesus' return. The early church as well. The Apostles' Creed that we say every now and again says this. I believe in the Father, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again, and he ascended into heaven. He's seated now at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. If you were brought up in the Anglican church, you might remember this phrase that I was. So this phrase is kind of burned onto my memory. We used to say over and over again, at the end of different prayers, at different points in the service, Christ is risen. Sorry, Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. It's all over. The Bible's teaching, Jesus' teaching, the life of the early church, the life of Christians in every generation up until our own, that Jesus is coming back. It's something that should orientate our whole lives. Jesus insisted on it, taught it regularly. The early church believed it, and so should you. You should shape your whole life to be ready for his return. You see, the world isn't just spinning purposelessly 
through space. It's not that it'll go on forever. No, the world has a beginning and it will have an end. Jesus will return and he'll put everything right. Jesus will return and do justice. He'll repay good and reward it. And he will judge evil and condemn it and destroy it. See, Jesus is the king over everything. Are you ready to meet him? Have you been following, preparing yourself, girding up your loins, keeping those lamps burning? It's a difficult thing to do, isn't it? Um, but it is something I think we're hardwired to do. Maybe we don't have time to get into this for a moment. But I think humans, Christians or not, are hardwired to believe that, that there is an end to the world. Hardwired to believe that there's a conclusion to the universe, if you like, to expect that there will be justice, to expect judgment for bad and recognition of the good that we've built. We're hardwired for the hope that it brings, that one day sadness will be over, tears will be no more, unless they're tears of joy. We're hardwired to believe that this world is going to finish and Jesus is the one who's going to bring it to an end. It's not an unreasonable thing to believe. It seems very strange. I've been struggling with it this week, preparing, thinking, do I really believe this, that Jesus is coming back? It feels so otherworldly. It feels so kind of, so strange out there, but it's not unreasonable, is it? If we believe that Jesus came once already, then why shouldn't we believe that he will come again in glory? If we believe that he's already come in humility, well, why is it such a strange thing to believe that he'll come again to judge the living and the dead? You see, he really is coming back. That's hardwired in us. It's all over scripture. It's something the church has always held on to and for a really good reason as well. Here's our third thing, the incentive, not just to believe it, but to be ready for his return. Look what the master does for the servants who are ready. This is something, something really mind-blowing. What does he do? Have a look at it. Um, chapter 12, verse 38, it will be good for those servants Sorry, verse 37, for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. It will be good for them. Blessed will they be. It's a beatitude, if you know what I'm talking about there. But it will be good for them. It's something really, really deeply good. Because, listen to this, truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. Will make them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Did you see what's happening? It's not just that he's come back to the house away from the wedding banquet it's that he's popped back from the banquet to pick up his servants and bring them with him did you see that that it's not just them who are supposed to be tucking their clothes into their belts but the master of the house the boss of everything the king the lord of history is going to pick up his robe tuck it into his belt and say come on come and have a party with me you sit down at the table let me serve you this is what Jesus always does. We really shouldn't be um, surprised by it. If you were to look back at John 14, that passage I read a minute ago, you'll see Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. You'll hear him in other places saying, I haven't come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus is something completely unexpected. He's a master who serves people. And I mean, in this day, if you know anything about the culture, you'll know no master did anything like this. This was a thing that you did to pick up your robes and tuck them into your belt. That was something that was reserved for only the lowest class of servants. Only they would do kind of belted robes for manual labor. But this is the Lord, the King, who's come home, 
who picks up his robes, tucks them in and says to his servants, to the people who serve him, he says, you come and let me serve you. That is just so different, isn't it? So different from anything we experience our bosses doing. So different from anything we experience people with power doing in our culture. So different to any religion that man has ever invented. I mean, think of any other religion, any religion you can think of. It's all about that God being served by people. But what about this God? What about Jesus? He comes and even when this world is over, into eternity, he serves. He did that once. He came to die for us, to die for our sins, to serve and give himself, to wash away all of our sins, to forgive all of our unreadiness, to take away all of the ways that we've messed up and not used his gifts well to serve our master. All of that he took away at the cross and died with it. He was taken outside, thrown outside with the unbelievers. If you read on, you'll see what I'm talking about. Jesus went to the cross to die for us, to serve and give his life for you and for me. And he'll do that, serving us into eternity. He takes us with him to the wedding banquet. Isn't that an amazing incentive? But some people will say, maybe our hearts are saying, it's just been an awfully long time since Jesus came. I mean, is he ever coming back? Is it really true? Has it been 2,000 years, for goodness sake? Well, Peter, one of Jesus' followers, says, with the Lord, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. So time isn't really a big deal for him. Maybe if a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day, then what day are we on in, in history? According to Jesus, we're, we're kind of at the dawn of the third day since Jesus came from, well, I'm recording this on Wednesday morning. So in history terms, you're listening to this on Friday afternoon, something like that. Um, it's really not been that long. Jesus has come once, he really will come again. And when he does, if you're ready, it'll be worth it. So are you ready? Are you ready to meet your maker? Are you ready for the master to return? Have you got your belt and robe tucked in? Have you got your lamps still burning? Are the fires of your faith still burning for Jesus? Are you looking forward to him coming back? Are you using all the gifts that you have, putting things in place, ready so that when the master returns, he'll say, oh, I love what you did with that. That is such a good idea. Well done good and faithful servant. Come and share, come and enjoy your master's happiness. You see, our God is such a good God. This day of judgment, the day when Jesus returns, it's not something for us to be afraid of. The only reason we should be afraid is if we've got something to, to fear, something to hide from him. So don't hide things from him now. Use the time that you have. He might come back tonight. He might come back before I finished and pressed stop on the recording. He might come back at any point, like the thief does in the story because there's a thief, but because you never expect him. That's what that story is all about. He might come back at any point. So are you ready? Well, make yourself ready now. Come to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry for when I haven't been a good, a good servant. Would you help me to be a better servant, to keep the lamps going, to tuck myself in and get ready for work? And would you show me what work you have for me to do so that I could serve you and please you and enjoy that banquet with you forever when you return? Lord Jesus, I want to be ready. Amen.